Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about um, different kinds of fixits as part of our Quantum Bang series. Um, since the Quantum Bang officially starts again um, on August 1st, uh, before we get started, I want to actually address something um, that I've addressed before in the podcast, but I feel like I need to do it again since I have um, some new audience um, happening here. Um, I have asthma. I've had asthma since um, I was 20. Uh, I am very aware of it. I don't need you to diagnose me. Uh, my asthma is largely under control. Uh, I rarely ever have to use my rescue inhaler anymore uh, because I'm properly medicated. But in my 20s and early 30s, I had a lot of problems with asthma um, to the point where I was almost hospitalized. But because I have asthma, I do have a wheeze, and it shows up mostly when I laugh. No, I'm not a smoker. I never have been a smoker, unless you count that period of six or seven months in college where I smoked a lot of pot, and I don't. I don't count that. Anyways, um, it was stressful, guys. It was stressful. I needed, I needed something. It was stressful. Anyways, uh, I have asthma. I don't need to be diagnosed. <laughs> And I don't need you mansplaining my own asthma to me. So, uh, thank you, but no. Cool? Yeah, totally a Brad. Totally a Brad. Anyways, so, fix it. Um, we basically decided before, just to separate the fix it's into two categories. Plot focused and character focused. Now, all the plot, uh, and then we have a subcategory under character focus for pairing. Fix it. Right? Yep. Like, I mean, people talk about, like, the pairing fix it, but I, mean, I think that's part of a character. If, you, if you're not doing anything specifically plot related, I, mean, I guess it could be a subset of the plot focus, but typically you're focusing on fixing a character's life, and part of that is getting them into a relationship. So. Um, now, I'll concede that there are some fandoms where the pairing fix it is a big thing because, like, the ship everybody wanted didn't happen. And so that might I would be say a pairing fix it would be really, really popular in Teen Wolf. Yeah. Um, and, and so that. And in could, Harry Potter because, you know. Harry Hermione. Yeah. Hermione and Harry Shippers and the Draco and Harry Shippers are like, Jenny, what? <laughs> I think I think most dreary shippers would have been okay, fine, if he ended up with Hermione because that was kind of expected, right? Mm -hmm. But then for them to be <laughs> so <No? laughs> that could be a that that could that like could move pairing under a canon, a plot focused thing, which is where you're going. I'm going to correct the, the course that led to him being with Jenny or. They kept Derek and Styles apart, um, but that I think I think most shipping is more character focused than plot focused. Uh, but I do think that there are some exceptions where, like the the canon went off the rails and went completely contrary to like everybody's expectations on the ship, and they're going, "Nope, gonna gonna correct course here." So, under plot focused, we have a, a terrible, no good, bad event. Um. I think it also like a terrible no good bad result for a character could fall under event as well. 
or plot focused. Like, um, well, end game. Yeah. Or any, 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 almost any movie in the Marvel franchise. Yeah. Has a plot issue that you could want to clear up. And it could be, um, now there were, if you go and you, you Google about fix-its, there, you're going to see lots of different things, but we come back to what the, what the bang is called, which is the quantum bang, which is about exploring the ripples of the choices you're making in your story and the ripples that that would have on either your character or on the canon, which implies, you know, ripples need some entrenchment in canon. So, um, so when you're looking at a, at a plot focus, you're, you're primarily dealing with the events of canon and how to make them go in a different way. Now, I would say, and you know, you can, you, your opinion on this is more important than mine, but I would say that, um, Unleash Your Demons um, was both plot and character focused. What? I, I missed the first part. Unleash Your Demons was both plot and character focused. Agreed. Um, I had a lot of work to do with um, with Nebula and Tony um, because they were both so damaged coming out of Infinity War. Uh, they both lost so much. Uh, but also, there were all these events coming into play after the time travel that had to be addressed. And, right. uh, and once I made one decision, it rippled out. And the consequences were kind of horrific. And so my decision to save Bucky Barnes early on, um, while I think was an important moral choice for Tony, uh, the characterization issue that he had, you know, he was acknowledging that, okay, this is a victim, you know, and, and I know where he is and I know how he's suffering and I can't, I can't allow that. And it's especially super important since he knows the Winter Soldier murdered his parents. So that was a characterization thing that came up early on in the plotting for me for Unleash Your Demons. Because I think Tony Stark is a really good person. Uh-huh. But I, it's really hard. I wanted him to make really honorable choices, no matter how uh, difficult they turned out to be. Then Loki tells him, um, you had the power to unmake the universe literally in your hand and look what you did with it. He made things better for a lot of people. And I like that. One of the things I liked is that it didn't eliminate. You'd still dealt with. And one of the reasons why I say it's also a, a obviously there's plot, right? There's mm. going to be plot in any story, but by plot, meaning it deals with canon events is you tracked how your changes rippled into those canon events, even though they hadn't occurred yet. Like forcing Hydra's hand when it came to mm. um, Peter. Um, by, by, by interrupting the flow of those events, it would have consequences. So even though you don't actually, a lot of canon events aren't going to come to pass, you still addressed canon implicitly in in the ripples that you explored, which is the whole idea of the, the quantum aspect, right? Is you're going to, when you, you know, you're going to throw a stone into a pond and there's going to be changes. There's going to be consequences. Um, I talked to somebody who recently, who was wondering about um, pre-canon fixes. And if 
there's a difference between pre-canon and pre-show or pre-series, right? Or pre-movie. If something's in the established canon, it's canon. It doesn't matter when it, whether it occurred on screen or not. Um, if they say a character, if, if you know a character where they were born, if you know where they grew up, if you know where they went to school, if you know, I mean, we don't see Tony Stark at MIT at whatever age he attended MIT in Iron Man, but that's still part of the canon that he attended MIT. Right. With, and Rhodey was his roommate. That's part of the canon. So if you set a MIT era fix it, where something happened with Tony to wake him up to like Obadiah, Obadiah Stane's um, manipulations that and ripple that into a fix. That is not pre-canon. It is pre-movie, but it is not pre-canon. So there is not, I don't think there's any such thing as a pre-canon fix it. That doesn't make any sense to me. Either you're working with the canon, you know, either there's canon or or there's not. So if if it's an if it's established in the body of the canon, it's canon, and you can set your fix it anywhere in there. You can go from anywhere, right? So I may have just given myself a plot money. Hmm. Write that one. Write that shit down. It's a little baby money. You um, got a lot of fluffy things to fill. Would it, would, it, would, it, would it fill one of those fluffy things? Maybe. I mean, I've done. I've got. I've got zombies in one of my fluff fills, so um, maybe. But we wanted to like talk through what is a fix-it versus what is a fix-it in the quantum bang. And we're you know hopefully have, there's gonna be new people next year, and if we have some podcasts, people can go and listen to to try to get their questions answered, and then give some examples. So. Um, because there's people, the biggest question always is, is it a fix it? Is this a fix it? Is this a fix it? And what I would say is if you can't honestly say that your story begins grounded in canon, you haven't written a fix it. You can't write a divergent AU about Sentinels or werewolf shifters in the Marvel MCU and call it a fix it. It's an alternate universe. When you fuse something that big to your canon, you've created an alternate universe and therefore it does not qualify as a fix it, nor does it qualify actually for a canon divergence. Right. A the genuine question, canon divergence. The question you have to ask yourself and you have to be able to answer without any don't be disingenuous about this and play dumb. Okay. And I don't mean that insulting, but I sometimes, you know, I say to somebody, say, how could, how could what you're proposing not affect Canon? Can you make changes? Yes, absolutely. You can make changes. If you didn't, what are we doing? Right. Can you change somebody? Somebody talked about, well, if you can't change Canon, how do you change somebody's sexuality? Stop it. Okay. We're talking about the events, right? Canon is of the series of events. And if what you're changing doesn't actually affect those series of events, then what you're changing is fine. However, it is disingenuous to say that something like werewolves existing in the Marvel Universe without them ever having been a factor anywhere in the MCU, and that you that's it's disingenuous to say that that can be a change. Um or that it would be a fix-it. Right. 
it's sort of like the supernatural world in and um and NCIS exists. We've used this. I use love this example because it is it is too, it should be glaringly obvious that you cannot have the supernatural world this, the, as the show. This not any supernatural. Could you have a supernatural element that is unknown in the world? Sure, but not the supernatural show's element. It was too out there. It was too obvious. It was too in people's faces. There were too many deaths. And so it is disingenuous to say that that could have happened and your main character is someone like Tony Dinozo and you're writing him as an astute, competent law enforcement officer who somehow has never noticed any of this weirdness. It would be impossible. That to me is disingenuous, right? To try to make that case. Check your mic sensitivity because you're dropping from me a little and I'm not sure if it's me or if it's you. It could be me, but I got a green across the board, so I don't know. I just went yellow. Let me disconnect and come back. Okay. Um, but uh, neither one of us are asking you to uh, to stand up and testify about your about your fix it, but because we're not policing you, what we what you are asking you is to be honest with yourself about what you're doing, um, and be honest about your participation in a challenge like quantum bang or rough trade because the only disservice you're doing is to you when you lie to yourself about what you're trying to accomplish and that's true across the board whether it's about your writing or anything else yeah i have never had good success with trying to shoehorn there's some there's occasionally a challenge gets announced. I hear about the challenge and I go, I have a story already plotted for that. Oh my God, it would fit perfectly. But it resonates. The minute I hear it, I know this story meets that challenge. Usually if I have a story that sort of fits the challenge, trying to shoehorn it into the challenge has always worked bad, gone badly for me. I don't recommend it. You may have better luck with it, but I do find I wind up spending more time trying to course correct my plot to make it work for the challenge and sometimes then not liking my plot as much as the original plot I had. Um. So, well, we um, want the podcast to be educational, um, and amusing and entertaining. Um. So yeah, but I, I wouldn't want anybody to sit here think, be thinking that we're sitting here in judgment, of yeah, and full of dicks, um, and bobs. Uh, we <laughs> we want you to grow as a writer we want you to question yourself um we want you to to fully explore your ideas and um whether it be in fan fiction or in original fiction because that's part of your growth as a writer i just dropped a chicken nugget down my bra what i said i just dropped a chicken nugget down my bra i gotta get it out Man, that thing is migrating. Holy hell. <laughs> wow. Okay, it's out. But I'm crumbly. So. My first date with my husband, we went and had Chinese food. And I wore this um, this, this rounded neck sundress. And it, uh, it, had a, it had a pretty deep neckline right so it plunged a little bit and i dropped a piece of chicken down between my breasts and i was like, oh i guess they're hungry because you know i was kind of embarrassed right um mm-hmm. and he spent the rest of the meal looking at my tits and i couldn't <laughs> even blame him right because yeah. i i drew attention to them 
I got, I'm, I'm just, I gotta get the crumbs out. <laughs> I've got crumbs that have migrated under my boobs. Um, yeah. So, um, when we, one of the most, I think one of the most important skills you can, one of the, as a, as a writer, and this applies to original fiction too, is when you have a character do something, but it's weirdly, it's weirdly more apparent when people don't understand how to do this in in fan fiction, which is your character makes a choice or there's an event that happens or you interrupt canon at some point and you need to explore the consequences of that action. And logical consequences, you see the people fall down on logical consequences in um, original fiction too. But in fan fiction, it can become more apparent because you have this can't body of canon and then like you still try to have certain things happen that wouldn't logically happen anymore. So building that skill is why fixits are beloved, you know, make things better for this character, fix this event, get my ship together. Um, they are beloved type of story because people want to enjoy their fandom even more. They want to see the things they didn't like fix. But in order to do that well you have to be able to figure out the ripples and so because it's a, such a valuable skill in writing that's why it became the central theme and you know fixits are the big thing right they are one of the biggest types of stories told in fandom so it's a really broad um category because we also didn't want to be too specific so it's a really broad category. Well, you know, also, I think the fix-it um, is what brings most of people to the table. Mm-hmm. Because you see something that you love. You know, like, you know, The Hobbit. And you love, 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 love until the last minute. And then Bilbo is saying, the eagles are coming. And then you're screwed. You're fucked. And you're like, I can't. I can't accept this. I can't. I can't. <laughs> you went too far. <laughs> The Eagles should have got there sooner. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that kind of just spirals, right? Because yes, the Eagles could have got there sooner. Um, yes, um, Thorin could have found a way past the gold madness outside of that battle. Um, maybe Bilbo could have made a different decision with the stone. And you keep, and you spiral. Right? And that's where that's the birth of fan fiction right there. Yep. Is I want, and even if it's just, even if what's driving you, if what you did is you, you knew Styles and Derek were never going to get together, and you went to, to fandom to read Styles and Derek stories, that in its way is you were looking for that relationship fix. Regardless of anything else, you were looking for that relationship fix. Um, and we, it it does it, it brings it brings us there we want to see the things better we want to see the characters survive we want to see um and somebody asked me after after although there's a bunch of post civil war fix right a bunch whether it's team iron man or team captain america whatever there's a bunch and somebody sent me some links and i've read a, quite quite a few of them and they asked me can this be a fix it because like it doesn't really feel good well fix it's not necessarily about feeling good so most of the stories that they linked me i would say 95 percent of the stories i was linked i would call a fix it because what they were exploring was Yes, most of them were salty and bitter as hell, but what they were exploring was realistic consequences if the world had reacted 
And if Tony had gotten better, because but in a way, in most of these stories, Tony was getting better. He was healing from what had happened. So in that aspect, it wasn't completely bitter. But it's not like everything felt better at the end of these stories. But I would still, to me, they read like a fix it. And for all of those fans who needed that consequence, needed to see those consequences explored of a group of people defying the law and the wishes of all those countries, if for them, that is a fix. Even if it's salty, even if it's bitter, it's still a fix. Now, if it's a complete AU where things are getting fixed, it wouldn't qualify for the quantum bang. There are a few things I would have said, I said, you know, specifically that, that wouldn't qualify for quantum bang because it's two AU. Um, but you can go, you can actually obliterate canon from that point forward. Because it's not about, there's a misperception that there's a, trying to preserve some element of canon. And that isn't the goal. But obliterating canon isn't either. It is what is a realistic outcome of your character saying, doing something different or a different event happening at a critical moment. You know, what would be the consequence there? And, and exploring that going out. And in some cases, canon might get wiped off. Or maybe canon is proceeding apace for somebody, but your character's fucked off to Hawaii and has got himself a seal. Um, I'm not mad. <laughs> I'm not mad either. Um Someone else, specifically the Quiet Five O example. Somebody asked me, "Could it be um, that Tony knowing John McGarrett be a fix it? Wouldn't that?" You know, I said, "Well, it depends. You could argue. What does that Tony do with that information? <laughs> right. <laughs> Just knowing him isn't enough. Right. But if Tony could Tony know John as a child uh, uh, when he was twelve? There's uh, John McGarrett existed in Hawaii. He lived in Hawaii when Tony was twelve. Could they have met? There's nothing in canon that says that they didn't. They out and John would John McGarrett would have been probably a uniformed officer. He could have easily been a person who responded to a child abandoned at a hotel. It absolutely is plausible. Um, Tony living and and you. I mean, there's some things. That, you could go with ways you could go with that that I think would diverge you more into AU than fix it. But as long as you don't do something that makes it improbable that canon would have still happened. Now you could set your cat, your, your fix it from that point going forward. And Tony never winds up going into, you know, never winds up in NCIS because Tony being abandoned in Hawaii is canon, right? So you could set your fix it from that point, but if you change Tony's life completely, where, you know, like he is raised by the McGarrett's and he lives in Hawaii, which I, I would veto personally because. Yeah, because that would, would destroy my pairing. And growing I'm up on, Steve, yeah, that's not, I'm not on board. Um, sinking the mothership. But if you did that. I don't think you can then write your story set in NCIS because it is disingenuous to say that Tony could grow completely different and yet still have the exact same career path and wind up in the exact same place. That's the disingenuous part. Okay. But could he have met John? Absolutely. Could he have maintained casual contact with John over the years? There's nothing that says that he didn't. And honestly, it honestly makes slightly more sense why he would choose to be a police officer. 
we've talked about this. We've talked about the decision, the firefighting thing. It makes more sense for him to be a firefighter than a cop based upon his impetus. But whatever. That's a completely different thing. Um, what I would also say is when you're doing um, a fix-it and you... Um, I think you need to be careful with crossovers because we talked about small magic and how um, for Harry Potter, it's an AU, but for the Hobbit, it could be considered um, a Canaan divergent fix it in that Canaan diverged when Harry Potter landed in Gandalf's lap. Yeah. And, and because Harry but- I honestly don't think small magic would qualify for Quantum Bang because it's more focused on Harry, which makes it an AU. It's in that case, it is the focal character that makes the difference. Um, so the first story, one of the first stories I started for <laughs> Quantum Bang, boy, I was having a hard time to work Quantum. Um, one of the first stories I started for the Quantum Bang was Overqualified, which did wind up the first two chapters on EAD. And um, I would say that that would be a fix-it, because while it would be very AU for NCIS for werewolves to exist, the focal fandom is Teen Wolf. So Tony becoming... Tony, we'll talk about some things like Catalyst and Inciting Event, Plot Point. Um, but when you when you have a fix-it, you need a Catalyst for what is changing and in the case of sometimes that can be a person sometimes it can be an event um but you need to find a catalyst for why what is causing things to be different and in the case of that story the catalyst is tony he comes in he's just looking to kind of chill and kick back and then he gets to shoot gerard argent in the head love and that's going to fix the fuck out of things i fell in love (laughs) it doesn't happen often in fan fiction that I re-fall in love with a character. But Tony shot Gerard in the head and I was like, oh, <laughs> my heart was all a flutter. Well, Styles was standing there. How was he supposed to shoot him in the dick? Right. Um, and also, um, I know you mean to be funny, but uh, you need to be careful with your characterization when you're making choices about, like, for instance, how somebody kills somebody. Um, shooting somebody in the genitals is psychologically uh, telling. It speaks to um, some sexual, deep sexual psychological issues um, and trauma that you probably don't want to assign to your character. <laughs> right. Or bad aim. Which you probably also don't want to do. Do not want to assign to your character. But, um, like, you know, I think that the act of shooting a man in the groin would be the choice a rape victim would make. Someone who's the victim of sexual abuse. Um, so, um, just be careful when you're making those kinds of choices for your character, because they will resonate with your readers in ways you cannot control. Cops are trained to shoot center mass. That's they're trained to shoot for the biggest possible target. 
um, because it reduces the chance of them missing. They are not trained to shoot people in the legs or in the arm. That's not what they're trained to do. So that whole thing where Ziva was challenging Tony about how he could have shot Michael Rifkin in the leg, cops are not trained to do that. And in high pressure situations, the goal is that they fall back. When their adrenaline is pumping, it's they fall back on their training and they shoot in the chest. That's what they're supposed to aim for. Um, and so right, if, also, yeah, Ellie, Ellie, you're also right about if your character is good, having them take torture options in the killing is is a bad characterization choice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but Tony, is, my headcanon that Tony has, has taken sharpshooter training and that with, he waited for the gun to be off of Styles to not be pointed at Styles, And the minute it wasn't pointed at Styles, he took the headshot because that was the only shot he had the head and because he has sharpshooter training he can make that shot so um you just have to be you know like really careful with how you gotta do some of that kind of stuff but anyway um so tony functions in that story as a catalyst for the fix in that story um and ultimately in that story the plans for him and john to get together so it would be a fix it in that regard fixing things for john to have another reliable adult around him that he ultimately falls in love with he gets love again blah 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 now um my other the story that i did wind up going with for the quantum bang the one that crossed the finish line unrestricted views that is a relationship fix it but it's not a romantic pairing so it falls under the subset of the character-based fix-it. It is not plot-focused. Um, it is definitely relationship fix-it, and it's Styles and his dad's relationship. And that was my goal, was to mend their relationship and let the ripple of that solve other problems. That... Um, no, Aaron, you're not the only one. Cause it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're all on board that. <laughs> I definitely hear Senna's voice when I <laughs> had Kenan accepted um, her teen little, tiny little girl voice. Yeah. And that's something that I can say that she sounds a good two decades younger than I sound. <laughs> she sounds 12. <laughs> I'm at least 14. <laughs> Um, but, uh, you want some, uh, variety in your characterization. You don't want to write the same character over and over again. You don't want your characters to make the same choices, um, no matter their life experiences or circumstances, uh, because you get, um, that kind of monotony, um, can really put a, can, can, can ruin your creativity. I mean, you. I could write ten different um, can divergent fixits from dead air and not get monotonous with it by just exploring different potential outcomes of how that could have gone. Um, we had a whole podcast on this, and any of those could be fixes. Now you could go the anti-fixit route, but we'd rather you didn't. Um, but you do you. But anti-fixit wouldn't count for the quantum bang because you know. Or scorched earth only counts in aliens, okay? Um, <laughs> Nuka from orbit only counts if your characters are all on the ship. <laughs> At least all the ones you care about. 
So, you know, I, the, the sequel to Unobstructed Views will be more, it will ripple more into the events of season three and seeing how those are impacted by Styles and his father communicating. Styles' magic um, woke up, you know, in Unobstructed Views, which is a, um, has a huge impact on the events going forward because his father's aware of it and Derek's aware of it. And they're not going to let him put his head in the sand about what that could mean. And um, so that all of this, and so not everything that happened in 3A and 3B is going to happen. And certainly none of the shit that happened in 4 is going to happen. Um, but there, the, there are some of these things that are already in play. The alpha pack already exists just because Styles and his relationship is fixed it doesn't mean the alpha pack isn't still headed for beacon hills right so at the end of season two we see that they have actually kind of already arrived uh but things are already different right so if i were when i keep going they don't have eric they don't have erica and boyd because erica and boyd are with the pack and the pack is strong and they're communicating and they have a strong connection to the sheriff's department and so there's all of this stuff that is going to it's going to ripple into how that all is going to change. So that will be a lot more event focused in, in showing how things are fixed by this. But definitely the first story was the ripple effect of Styles and his dad talking at a really critical moment. Um, yes, and Styles learning to control his magic. That will be a factor in the sequel. So um, I knew what kind of story I was telling when I started writing this end, when I started writing unobstructed views, I just started to say the, the second story. Um, I, I knew what kind of story I was writing, which was a relationship focused. And it, and it, even though the central relationship is styles and his father and fixing that, it has impact on all the other relationships, you know, Derek and, and Noah start to connect and bond and it, that mentorship thing is going to, is building and it had impact on the relationship with Derek and his pack. And so there is, and, and styles being part of the pack. So there's, it's all very, um, but it's all driven off of fix that one thing. What happens if styles and his father are doing better and how do I make that relationship good? And that's what I wanted to fix because I felt like that, that was like so underexplored and it was obvious styles frequently felt the, the pain of lying to his father and yet it's just not corrected so that was my goal with that which is more character focused um than it is plot focused even though there definitely was a plot so i don't mean to imply that you don't have a plot if you're doing something character focused so please don't take it that way but it's a matter of what your driving force is right are you trying to correct an event or are you trying to make something better for a character and that's where we came into the you know and i don't think there's really any other classification of fix it than either event focused or character focused uh you're doing kind of one or the other but the critical thing to embrace is that you do have to have some relationship with canon in either case a pairing a pairing um a pairing fix where you're just getting a couple characters together in a coffee shop au doesn't count because there's no connection to canon that's not that's just it's a ship that's a ship story 
it's a coffee shop AU for your ship. But some people would look at that and some sites would tell you that that's a fix it because it's fixing the ship. But we it's not. We made it but we made it really clear that we're talking about ripples the ripple effect from canon or the ripple effect on canon. Here's one thing I would say about um when I look for a fix it, when I go into um out into fandom to search for a fix it to read, please don't send me recommendations. Um and I specifically look for fix its that are rooted in canon. Um deeply rooted in canon because when I want to fix it, I want to see somebody fix the fucked up parts of canon that I didn't like. That's the point. I don't want to see five minutes of canon and then 95 minutes of divergent AU. That that's not a fix it. That's not what I want to read. That's not why I'm here. You give me a deeply rooted fix it, I'm here for it. You're going to fix the bad shit. You're going to save Sirius Black. I am 100% on board with this shit. <laughs> Let me get some tea and a snack. <laughs> but you're... But, go ahead. Also, you have to, your world has to, but you have to have a, a strong grounding in canon in some fashion. In some fashion. It doesn't have to be like if like we talked about, you know, Tony goes out, Tony says, fuck this. I'm going to go to Hawaii. Um, depending upon how you write it, are you writing a Hawaii 5.0 fix it or are you writing a NCIS fix it? It could be both. Because they live in the both same universe. Both is good. Both is both very is good. good. They live in the same universe. And, you know, if, if you threw in a little side order of stopping Danny from having that affair, sleeping with his wife, that'd be banging. That'd be great. Um, if you but, say John McGarrett, that'd be extra great. I know most of the questions we're probably going to get are about crossovers. And that is where the ability to analyze what you're doing and be honest with yourself is important. Because what is your know what your focus fandom is. What fandom are you fixing things for? Where is it? Because it can't be, usually it can't be both. The only time I think it can be both is when the when the shows live in the same universe. But if you, especially if you're doing things that have incompatible world building, you got to decide which one is your focus, right? Um, and your focus needs to be, that canon needs to be intact. And your crossover fandom can't invalidate your canon. That's really important. Your crossover, think about that. Your crossover fandom cannot invalidate your canon by its very existence. Um, one question I got was could you borrow a character from uh, a fandom and just not a fandom that would like invalidate it? So, like, could you borrow Dean Winchester from Supernatural? Um, and put him in NCIS, but none of the supernatural stuff existed. Dean Gropa had a relatively normal life. Okay, I'm just going to say it. This is just my opinion. You can, okay? I'm not saying you can't have a character but called Dean Winchester. Right, but who bears no resemblance to Dean Winchester other than being played by the same actor. Could you do that? Yes. Is it disingenuous? Yes. Because your character is has no real connection. Once you take them away from... That's just, it's an OC with Dean Winchester that you're calling Dean Winchester. And so just rod an OC. 
I mean, you can if it really if you really can't do it without calling him Dean. Fine, and, you know the supernatural world doesn't exist. Dean grew up differently. Okay, it's but to me, it's 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 a little bit weird because yes, we do AU's where we write characters in a whole. We did that whole challenge, whole new world, right? But it was an AU challenge to put the characters in a whole different set of circumstances, put them in a different fandom, and see how they would be different. Okay, that's a complete. That was a specific challenge to do that. And you you could take a piece of that. The problem is you're separating, you know. I think it, that desire to strip a character's fandom from them and stick them down into another fandom because they need a character to fill that spot and nobody in canon does is because they don't want to ride an OC and be accused of riding a Mary Sue. So I'll just broad Dean Winchester. We're going to do a whole podcast on the whole Mary Sue thing and how you should just tell anybody who brings it up to you to fuck off but the other but the other side of that when we have the podcast is don't if you don't want to write a mary sue don't write a mary sue there's a difference between an original character and a mary sue but there's also need to acknowledge that in fandom some people don't know that and they will and you will you. have readers accuse you of writing a mary sue if you write an original character yeah, somebody commented. They uh, one of the comments on um, "I'll Forgive" was that they had never before, never before. Which I deleted this comment because it pissed me off so bad, and I had to get rid of it, or I was going to rant. Um, they'd never before that story enjoyed a story where Tony was written with a Mary Sue. I had to explain to somebody in the Harmony group on Facebook what a Mary Sue was, because she thought a Mary Sue was just a strong character. Because I was gravely insulted by what she said. And I was like, what? Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, for starters, I don't think that in any way Ethan can be, could be by the definition of Mary Sue or Gary Sue or whatever, could be perceived as one. I don't think that makes any sense. Um, but, okay, that, I mean, but the comment. Oh, I don't agree at can, all, actually. What? Well, I think they want us to see. I think that's their intention, maybe. But I think if, if that if that truly was their intention, I think it backfired. Well, the, the problem is, is that a true Mary Sue is loved and adored by all the other characters too. Everybody can't help but like them. Everybody wants to be with them and and touch them and be their friend. Uh, that's what a Mary Sue is. And Steve Rogers is absolutely not a Mary Sue because Tony Stark probably wanted to kill him several dozen times during the course of the MCU. So. Yeah, they did write it. I agree. Some people, they, they do, especially fanfic writers do kind of write Peter Parker as a canon Sue. I can't really call him, a, you know, if we, if we talk about a canon character being a Mary Sue, there's going to be somebody's going to write both of us and explain to us that a canon character cannot be a Mary Sue. So that's what oh, that's not true because Sam Carter is most definitely a, a Mary Sue. Um, because that, but that's where the term canon Sue came from was to shut those people up. Um, because the idea is, you know, if you've if you've introduced a Mary Poppins s character in you know practically perfect in every way and everybody wants to be around them and they fix everything just by walking into the room. Doesn't matter if they're canon or not. That's a yeah. That that's a Mary Sue. That's a that's the vibe, right? So, I it I don't like reading Mary Sue's personally, just because I find that to be a horrible archetype. I don't like whatever you call it. 
whether you call it Mary Poppins or Canon Sue, Mary Sue Greer, I don't care what name you put to it. I don't like that archetype. I don't like reading practically perfect characters. I don't like reading people who have flaw, don't have any flaws. I don't like reading. I just don't like reading it. So it but doesn't matter the context. In fandom, 99% of the time, when you're accused of writing a Mary Sue, it's because you wrote an original character. Especially a female OC. And we've, we've talked about the f fandom's reactions to female OCs, which in a lot of ways was a, a, a probably a, a knee-jerk overreaction to a lot of self-inserts. Because every style, every style of writing, every genre goes through trends. And self-inserts were a big thing for a while. And people hated them. A big terrible thing. I'm glad that that's a... Uh... And the thing is, most self-inserts were written as Mary Sue's, which is how they became conflated is the same thing. Because most people, if they're going to put themselves into a story, they're going to make themselves a Mary Sue. So anyway, um, so the thing is, is that if you just need to attach a, a, a canon character's name because you don't want to deal with the OC thing, it's certainly not against the rules. But I would say, you know, just my challenge to you would be try to write an original character to meet your needs rather than shoehorning in a character and saying their fandom doesn't even exist and then expecting us to believe that they somehow have all the same personality traits as the canon character. Yeah, don't be lazy. Challenge yourself. Grow, um, grow as a writer. Put that in your toolbox. The skills you learn today are the skills you will use tomorrow to be better at what you're doing. So don't shy away from, from making those mistakes, learning those techniques, because it's just super important as your, for, for your growth, whether, whether you're writing or, or whatever you're doing. Even if it's just a better position to masturbate in. I mean, tomorrow that will be an awesome thing for you to know. <laughs> yeah, reader POV really messes me up. Somebody mentioned in the chat when they know somebody named Mary Sue. I had an aunt named Mary, and she hated her name. I don't know why. She thought it was boring and bland and sort of pedestrian. And so she wanted to be called Sue. I don't know how Sue is less pedestrian than Mary, but that was her opinion. Um, so I had an aunt named Mary who, we, who everybody called Sue. <laughs> <laughs> that was not her middle name but you know she was Mary and everybody called her Sue everybody called her Sue except her husband huh. and, and her sister when her sister was mad at her actually that's how I found out that what her real name even was I didn't even know her name was Mary until, wow. her, sister, until her sister was pissed off at her one day and said you know Mary Lois you got your little butt in here I'm like who is she talking to <laughs> She's talking to your Aunt Sue, but her name is Sue. No, it's not, actually. And she just adopted a name? <laughs> that you can do that? That's so strange. My, my new name is Empress of the Universe. I expect you to use the full one at every single opportunity. <laughs> a mouthful. This Empress of the Universe. Don't shorten be, my shit. I'm just saying. Would it, would it be Madam Empress of the Universe? I guess just so. Empress. Just Empress. 
Well, no, because if like you're introducing the president, you don't say, you know, you say Mr. President, right? And you're just, oh. so you'd be like Madam Empress or not. I don't Maybe. know. I don't actually have any idea how you address an empress, except, you know, stay home. <laughs> um, okay, so fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. I gravitate towards the character fix it. I like to make my babies happy. Mm -hmm. I like to make my darlings um, live and love and and live happily ever after. Which is, yeah. I think if you're more of a character driven, the more character driven a writer you are, the more likely it is that you're um, your fix it. So apparently I would be her imperial majesty emperor of the universe, um, empress of the universe. Now we know. Yeah. Um, so those are the types of fix-its is the two. Now what we could do, because we've only got an hour, is we could start another podcast and pick a different topic and you'd have two one-hour podcasts. Okay. Um, so anyway, those are the types. Does anybody have questions about either event-focused or... <laughs> yeah. Yes, as opposed to the four-hour one. Uh, does anybody have any questions about the event versus character focus fix it before we change cha before we change topics? They're typing, so we'll give them a moment to type. This will be a thoughtful silence that will be not edited out later because I'm type I'm talking. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, but it's not silent. You're not being silent with your thoughts. For those of By you who don't know what a thoughtful silence is, is that, um, speaking of which, she was only two minutes off on her bet. She said um, I would edit that podcast that was two hours and 33 minutes, I believe, down to 2.15. I did it to 2.17. So a lot of times in the podcast, there will be 15, 20 seconds of silence as we're both thinking about things that we've said. So when I'm editing the podcast, I take them out. Would adding a development of the magical world take it to an ague? I think it would greatly depend on the magical element. Like, if you introduced uh, rituals and uh, magical religion, um, I think, yes, it would take it into an AU because there is no religion um, in Harry Potter um, beyond Christianity, apparently. Uh, and I guess the occasional Jewish person. Um, and there is there's minimal ritual magic in um, in Harry Potter and Canon. So if you delved really deeply into that, you would um, if you give them a religion, you're fundamentally changing the magical world and it becomes an alternate universe. That's just my opinion. I think I think the degree to the, at which you can, and this is where you have to ask yourself the question: Is the changes you're making would they in any way impact the events in canon? Because you can make small changes and not have it impact the events of canon, right? Some of it's just fleshing out the details that we didn't get. Because, but at what point would it be different? Would it change? So, you just have to be. That's where you have to ask yourself the question and determine if you are looking at it realistically. So, um, is it possible to do a solely character fix it or so an event fix it? It always assume there'd be at least some crossover between them. Um, I would say definitely the character, you can do a solely ca character thing because if, 
especially if you're starting, if you're if your inciting event is early on and it takes your character away from canon, like they leave, you aren't doing an event fix it. Right, that's really character focused, uh, and what happens to them and how their life improves for not being in that canon stream. Um, but usually, I because you have said winning a war, not not like winning a war based on just army but Harry learning more magic. Yes, I think that you could safely have Harry learn more magic, but the deeper you get into that magical um, circumstance, the closer you get to an AU because Harry Potter was the least curious character ever created. And since Harry Potter, the series is told primarily from Harry Potter's point of view, you don't get a lot of, um, of the world building you would have gotten from say, if Hermione had been the main character and the first book had been Hermione Granger in the patriarchy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I mean, if you're, if you're, if so you're yes, you can, you can do rituals and you can do um, magic, but if you introduce huge magical concepts, you're you're pressing into an AU. I'd love to read it, but I don't think it would qualify as a fix it. That's just my personal opinion. But it all depends upon, you know, is this a forgotten branch of magic that in no way impacted canon? Um, does Harry find a book? What is your catalyst, right? What is your inciting event? Did your character find? Does Harry find something that first trip into Diagon Alley that he, you know, that that opens up and reveals to him a, a forgotten branch of magic, right? Does, you know, because you can put little things in that wouldn't have changed canon events. Like, you could say that maybe they don't tell um, Muggleborns that they have to have their uh, do inheritance rituals um, before they're 14, right? Maybe they don't know that. And also only purebloods do it. But there's usually no surprises. So in canon, Harry never did an inheritance ritual. But maybe he hears about it when he's 13. On, in and the that alley. would be fine. But yeah. if you introduced a big, huge religious element, um, which would have a fundamental impact on canon, it'd be different. So the thing is, you just got to remember, you, you're looking for... A catalyst. What is the what is the thing that is your impetus for change? Did Harry turn left when he in canon he turned right and he ran into somebody who handed him a book? Did he ask a different question when he was in Gringotts the first time? What is it that is the catalyst for change? And that catalyst for change could bring Harry to a whole different field of study. He could be secretly studying different things in the background, but it's a, that's a difference creating a different event is exactly what you're looking to do in a fix it right is find whatever is prompting the change as opposed to changing the way the world functions which is a different thing what if he didn't land in nocturne alley what if he landed in nocturne alley but landed in a different shop like in um the lion and the raven which i have on my ead um, Thaddeus Banner takes Harry Potter to a shop on Nocturne Alley run by Armand, Armand Deering. And Armand is, um, um, he's a, he's a darkish wizard, but he's not a evil wizard. Uh, and he makes Harry Potter a new wand because Harry Potter is a sentinel. And the idea of carrying the brother wand of Voldemort is disgusting. It is the most disgusting thing he could possibly imagine. And at that point in his life. And so they they make him a new wand. 
So, but what if he fell into a shop like that? Not mine, not my characters. Um, I mean, you could borrow Armand, but just be careful with him because he's my favorite. <laughs> Speaking of my OCs, um, somebody asked me recently if Ragnarok was my OC. He's not. Uh, in fact, Ragnarok's not an OC at all. He's, an, um, he's a canon character. He's just an underutilized, barely filled out canon character. Um, now, Razelle and Sharprock are my canon characters. So if you use my, my, my original characters, so if you use my original characters, I'd really appreciate it if you would attribute because that way I don't have to answer questions about it. <laughs> well, you can get Zell dirty. Zell likes to get dirty. But, you know, and Zell's also my original character and so is Armand, um, so is Armand Deering and Thaddeus Banner and Piper um, Thorn or Knee or Piper Banner Knee Thorn. Um, but yeah, just, uh, just Ragnarok's not my original character. <laughs> yeah. He's very common actually in the, in the Harry Potter fandom because he is a canon um, uh, goblin character that doesn't have a lot of history. So you can, you can, it's easier to work with him than it is Grip Hook, who's an asshole. Right. And most people make him the chieftain. I mean, that is like the biggest trope. Right. Uh, for for, a, for I think it's the biggest trope for any character any any of the like tertiary characters in Harry Potter is this this goblin we don't know much about they make him chieftain I'm like almost almost every story I read where he's in it he's chieftain or manager of the bank right because it's just easy right and we like it I like it I like I like chief I'm all on board with him being chieftain. So, you know, I'm especially on board with my head cannon casting of, of, mm -hmm. of Ragnarok. Uh, yeah, me yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so the other, so the, the other two questions, somebody asked, would, would a fix it be Harry and Hermione living in Muggle London or wherever instead of a tent? That could be an element of a fix it that they decide that, that they make different choices, but that's, it's hard to hang 50K off of living in a Muggle London and a tent. As opposed to a tent, but that that could be like the the catalyst to make that decision. Where Hermione, maybe after Ron fucks off, um, Hermione and Harry realize that they no longer have to hide in the magical world because one of the reasons they were doing it is because Ron wouldn't be able to blend in in the Muggle world, but they can. Yeah. So, so they abandon the tent and go somewhere um, else. And and then you could explore what the consequences are of them getting some rest and not being so terrified all the time. And, and getting um, some fucking food. Yeah. You know, so you could explore consequences of something like that. So absolutely you could do a fix-it where they make a different choice about whether to be in a tent or go. Yeah, definitely. But that by itself, I mean, it. you could write a very short story that is just that element. Um, but normally I would say something like that is the kickoff point um, for for it, probably the inciting incident. Um, but to it's go back, to, it is a good one. I think it's a very good one because it once Ron was gone, it should have opened up a lot of choices for them. So going back to the, I think the only other partially answered question before we change topics is the, is it possible to do the solely character or event fix it? There, typically, I would say typically when you're doing an event focus fix it, you're going to have character elements in there too. Um, I'm trying to think of a way when you wouldn't, but yes, there's going to be 
potentially elements of both. The question is, which what's your focus? And what's your um, central theme? Right. What's your What are you fixing? Are you fixing an event, or are you fixing a characterization issue? Are you fixing a relationship? Because that's your central theme. So yes, you're probably going to make do do some character stuff too. But if it's a character driven fix it, it has a different vibe than an event driven fix it. But absolutely a character driven fix it could fix events, but it's a matter of what you're focusing on. So even for me, even when I'm doing fixing events, it's character driven. It's a character driven fix it because that's the way I write. Right. So de, um, de novo is one of the hardcore fixits on my site, right? I have a lot of AUs, but I also have, I've also, I like fixits for sure. Um, but definitely, I think like the one that you can, I can point to and say that is a fixit with no question is de novo. Um, and it's focused, the, the, the lens, the story, the, the lens the fixit is through is character driven, but it affects events tremendously. So, but could it not affect events with a character driven fix it? You could have it not affect events at all because something happens, you have your catalyst, you have your inciting incident and your character is gone. They trip into a wormhole or in another dimension and their life is so much better, whatever. Okay. So I totally agree. Ellie, we're talking in the chat room about um, transfiguring a, a gun in Harry Potter. Look, if they can trans, if, if they can transfigure an inanimate object into a bird that's living and breathing with organs and shit and making and functional that they can, they can transfigure a gun or a cannon, but also they could stand outside an army base and summon that shit. Just saying. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Say goodnight, Julie. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Mm -hmm.